0: I wanna start with a, uh, a source that's not on your sheets. Okay? It is a, uh, an ex Well, there's two speeches from the end of Richard III, Shakespeare's Richard III, where there are two armies, okay? Richard's army and Richmond, who's coming to oppose him's army, and Shakespeare sets up this parallel, sort of this army on either side, And each, either king or leader, is rallying his troops. Okay, so these are the the parallel speeches that they give to each of their respective armies. I'm going to read it to you. I'm not going to tell you which is which, i.e., who is the hero and who is the villain. And I want you, at the end of both, to tell me which one it is and why. Okay, how Shakespeare knew his audience and audiences forever would be able to demarcate which one is the hero and which one is the villain, just based on the speeches themselves. Okay, so number one. More than I have said, loving countrymen, the leisure and enforcement of the time forbids to dwell upon. Yet remember this. God and our good cause fight upon our side. The prayers of holy saints and wronged souls, like high-reared bulwarks, stand before our faces. So and so, except those whom we fight against had rather have offspring than him they follow. For what is he they follow? Truly, gentlemen, a bloody tyrant and a homicide. One raised in blood and one in blood established. One that made means to come by what he hath and slaughtered those that were the means to help him. A base foul stone made precious by the foiled England's chair where he is falsely set. One that hath ever being God's enemy, then if you fight against God's enemy, God will in justice ward you as his soldiers. If you do sweat to put a tyrant down, you sleep in peace, the tyrant being slain. If you do fight against your country's foes, your country's fat shall pay your pains the higher. If you do fight in safeguard of your wives, your wives shall welcome home the country if you do free your children from the sword, your children's children quit it in your age. Then, in the name of God, and all these rights, advance your standards, draw your rolling swords. Second. What shall I say more than I have inferred? Remember whom you are to cope with all? A sort of vagabonds and rascals and runaways? A scum of brigands and base lackey peasants? Whom their overcloyed country vomits forth to desperate ventures and shorted destruction. You sleeping safe, they bring to you unrest. You, having lands and blessed with beautitious wives, they would restrain the one, disdain the other. And who doth lead them but a paltry fellow, long kept in Britain at her mother's cost? A milksop, one that never in his life felt so much cold as overshoes and snow. Let's whip these stragglers over the seas again, lash hence these overweening rags of France, these famished beggars weary of their lives, who, but for dreaming on this fond exploit, for want of means, poor rats and hang themselves. If we be conquered, let men conquer us, and not these bastard reasons, whom our fathers have in their own land beat and bobbed and thumped and in record left in the airs of shame. Shall these enjoy our lands, lie with our wives ravish? Our daughters. So who is whom? Yeah. The first one's the hero, the second one's the villain. How come? Uh, the first well the way in which they talk about each other. The
1: first one, uh, the reason why they're fighting against is because he's a tyrant and he's bloody and he's horrible. The second one he fights against an them and and his, like <coughs> accusations about
0: his villain is that he's like nothing and disparaging. It's, it's very disparaging and it's very like it makes a lot of fun of and on top of that, what does the first one do? I mean, this is a lot more noble. Yeah, but why? What's because the they text? They're attributing everything to God. Yeah. It's classic. When you're fighting for what's right, when you're the hero in literature, and in movies, and in television, and in books, you're always fighting for the ultimate right. It's the values, it's the traits of, of, of goodness with a capital G. Richmond, the hero, calls on his people to fight God's fight, to represent God on the ground. It's God's enemies and therefore we're fighting for God. We will be victorious because God is there and he is sanctioning, he is stamping, he is validating our mission. When you're not fighting for God and what's right, when it's selfishly motivated and self-serving, yeah, you have to disparage the other. You have to put the other down because what you're fighting for doesn't have any real semblance. So as long as the other one is more horrible than you, it's worth fighting. Villains can't say, oh we're fighting for what's right. They're fighting what's right for themselves. So Shakespeare knows and we know for generations and generations. If you're fighting in the name of God, you're fighting God's fight. That's where victory lies. The good guys with a capital G. The God Parakaf. Tap Yushis. Lam Natseah. Right between Ashray and Walatzu. Lam Natseah means more than David. Say David's meant to him. Yan ha hashem biyom tsara. Yesagem Hashem elokeyakov. God will answer you on the day of trouble. He will rate the shame elokeyakov, then the essence. Of, of, of Yaakov's God will raise you up does anybody know the unique nuance of the future tense in Tahili? You know, either it means future God will right? God will answer or how else is future used? in modern Hebrew even? and you just knock off the prefix become shev i.e. command, yeah, command. Right? the future tense is the command tense i.e. either you could read this is, as God will answer you David in the time of trouble or God better answer David in the time of trouble what does either interpretation share what do they both approaches have in common what? Yeah, confidence. Either you say God will or you're charging God too. Either way, you believe that there's beyond a shadow of a doubt, someone will do something. So they declared to David, We know God is going to answer you on the time of trouble. We know he's going to raise you up. He will send your help from Kodesh from the sanctified place and he will uh, support you and bolster you from Zion, his unique place. He's sending you delivery of salvation. He will remember all your menachot, all your sacrifices, and he will burn up and accept all your olot. What's that about? What are these menachot and olot? Yeah, for what? What did kings of Israel do? Right before battle, they always brought Carmenot to beseech God. And you know what his men say? God says? God's in. He smelled them, He's liked them, He's accepted them. He is going to remember every single of the manachot and alot that you brought. Your beseeches for salvation and victory. Hey, iteng lecha kilva vecha. He will give you all that your heart desires, and he will fulfill all of your counsel, all of your advice. And then we will sing out in your victory, in your salvation. need go and we will raise the banner of the name of God. Hashem. God will fulfill all of your wishes. How do they know? Why are they so sure? Why are they so confident? This is just a little bolster to their king. Sorry, yeah. Ramona. Are there any FTA or then? Yeah. Sorry. How do they know? Thank
1: you.
0: Look at the two times it uses the name Yud Vav K. Ke. Where, where are they? In bet and the end in vav. It bookends Why are they so sure? If you truncate this, they'll say Hashem beYom God will answer you, and all of your will will be, all of your wishes will be fulfilled. How do they know? What must be true? What happens in between? But sure. Ye home in Kotecha. What is to be done? He has beseeched God before. He has raised a banner of Hashem What do they know? He's representing
1: God.
0: And therefore what do they know? God's gonna help them It's clear to them. One of the greatest two words in all of Talmud: pasuk atah yadati. What does atah mean? No. Now, yadati? I knew. Now, I knew. How do you do that? That's like inherently contradictory. You can't write that. Now specifically means it's here at present. The Adati is so loose. I think this is how you translate it. You have to picture David's epiphany face. You have to picture where he's just getting something. Atal Adati. Now, I have always known. There's a moment in our lives when everything in the past becomes clear and you say, wait, that's why that was that. That's why she said this. That's why I always felt that. Ataiadati. It's one of the greatest biblical expressions of a recognition, of a validation, of something you realize you've always known. I don't know if you can picture this. They're on some kind of battlefield. And David's standing there ready to go as David is the military king and His ranks, his people, break out in this speech of support. Two, three, four, five suki. God is with you. God will grant you victory. God is behind you. He knows everything you want, and it will be fulfilled. clicks into place kihoshia hashem meshihon that God will save his anointed where does he get that from why is this his epiphany was God will save his anointed that's what he knows that's what he declares that's what he's sure of where does it come from come on where does it come from what do you have? late celebrating You're young! Bounce back! It's not often we get to learn on Yom Yushalayim in Yushalayim. Why does he know what he knows? Kiyoshia Hashem Meshichol. You know what Mashiach Hashem means? You're anointed from God. God chose you specifically. A Navi came and said, you're the one that God wants. And what did his nation just declare with certainty? That he is, he is true. He is God's representative. It dawns on him that his entire monarchy, when the objective voice says, you are a reflection of God. You are his man on the ground like it all becomes clear all my wins all my victories all my my, my battles against Shaul and any enemy ever took up, i was always now i know why because i was fighting god's battle i was representing the defeater of god's enemies of course i would win i'm his mashiach i'm his reflection on the ground Ya neu and of course God is going to answer him. His Mashiach from his place of kedushah, kedushim, to you, ki kadosh ani. If I am kadosh, then God is going to reflect because I am the kedushah b'shem. I have no idea, but it all makes sense now. When's the last time God saved with His right hand? I'm a continuation. I'm an extension of the original battle of God. He made the nation, and I'm the king of that nation. I am continuing where God left off. Of course, of course I'm going to be victorious. I'm fighting God's battles. God always wins. charons and they with their horses i'm trying to that after do the shame a Hashem, we look in us gear we come with the name of our god to with this line as it reads however if I were to ask you give me probably the paradigm of a military king throughout our history who would it have been? yeah after the Goliath thing the one on one with the sling the rest of the time he had swords he had spears he had shields he had horses and chariots He vanquished, took their stuff, and vanquished again, and built up a huge military army. Got blood on his hands. Uh, It's not true. He came with Rehav and Susim also. Yeah, it's Salam, that's not true. So now tell me how you read this in light of making this make sense. What word do we add to this line? I was going to go English, but either way. Good. Tavidah has excellent. Tavidah has his chariots and his horses. But they, they only come with their battalions and their tanks and their planes and their rifles. That's what they come. On our swords is engraved the name of God. On our spears, we have trelet, strings, flying in the back. We come not only with rechav and susim, anach, n'voshem, hashem, We have that ingredient. We are declaring our battle for God. And you know what happens when you do that, says David, in the continuity of his epiphany? That same Hema that Rechev and Susim. Same sides of the battlefield. Once again, there's a distinct truth to the battalion on this side and the battalion on this side. Hema karbu v'nafala. They bend, and they fall. <clears throat> because once physicality is diminished, wax. happens? You kick it back up. They fall, they bend, because they are weakened, and it's it. You hobble a horse. You take out a sword. You destroy the treads on a tank. They're not coming back. And therefore, ultimately, they will fall. Because that's all they had. That's all they relied on. But we, the same enough, remember, what does kam nu mean? We got up. Meaning, we got up. there was a weakening. Jews don't always win constantly all the time. But they bent, and they fall. We bent, we got back up, and we stayed up. Because even when your physicality is diminished, even when your swords and your horses are weakened. If you have the Hashem HaShem Elokeinu Naskir. if you have the right behind you, if you have the God mission behind you, that mission is eternal, that right is eternal, and therefore, so is the army that represents it. This is clear. Atayatati, I know. That we will always be Nito Dad because I know what we're fighting for is Nito Dad. It is clear, it's easy. And his final line. The king will answer you on the day that you call out. <coughs> three possible reads. We have the first hill in class. we spend much more time, but three possible reads on. Hashem O'Shiah give you the 1st see what I mean. Okay, good,
1: excellent. First one is, because God is bringing salvation,
0: therefore, because God does this, the melech can win. The melech is only as strong as the salvation that God provides. And to be declares it with the utmost certainty, I'm going to win today because I am fulfilling God's salvation. Or. As long as the king recognizes Hashem Roshia, as long as he knows from whence his salvation comes, then he will win, and only then will he. He has to have that understanding, and of course, David is having that understanding. That's his conclusion. What I've understood is this truth. And Bata'el, lastly, HaMelech, is Hashem. And all is said and done. You can have your leaders, your generals, your kings, and everybody in between. But ultimately, the salvation is with God. And he's the Melech, the ultimate king that will answer when you call out. So here's my question for Yom Yerushalayim. Why don't we say Lam today? We saw! That the script of heroes, the script of battles that are right, that are good, include God. Richmond rallies his troops saying, this battle is worth it. And you know why? Because God is behind us. We are fighting God's battle, and if we're fighting what's right, we will be what's right. And everybody on it says, oh, he's our hero. I don't know if you know enough about the history, but the Israelis said, this is never going to work. We're gonna try to free our capital city from the Jordanians. I mean, they're just, they're right there on the roofs. It hasn't been ours, this Yushalayim and the Gush, for a lot of years. Put your feet in, this is gonna be long and drawn out. This is gonna be a hefty price. Thousands of people are going to die. Six days later, it was all over. Six days. It blew away everybody to the point where everybody understood from whence this salvation came. It was undoubtedly a God victory. The legends go that even Chilonim on that first Friday night were making Kiddush because everybody was overwhelmed that the true source of this miraculous victory was God. That's the stuff the scripts of miraculous wars are made of. If there's anything I want to say more than anything else on Yom Yerushalayim, it's not it. Tavid, I mean, it's like the one who represented. It. He's the perfect author. And you're telling me we're supposed to skip it today? We know what heroes sound like on the battlefield. You call out God. You attribute it to God. Meshichah, Yanenu Bishmo! I want to say if I wouldn't because I don't like to dabble with people and be involved, but. Line by line, responsive. Hallel, You say that all the time. Yes, thank God, thank. But this is a war victory. This is exactly what this is. And this is more than Yom Mode. This is the king of the city we got back. Wouldn't this be the day we let him speak? Shakespeare knew what's right <clears throat> like when you want to be inspired by a godly victory, to be new. And suddenly we're told, but don't say it. So I want to try to answer why. How come on the day that seems to be the day to have one of the perfect scripts from one of the perfect insider authors, how come we don't say, La Matzea? OK, that's my question. Zvarim Yudbet. Hasukim. Ki'im el ha-makom, this Moshe talked to Bnei Israel right before they go into Ereti, sir. Ki'im el ha-makom, asher yibchar Hashem lokechem, mikol shiftechem lasum
1: et shmosham. Let's Something happened at Shara, Ayot, which is the Lions Gate about uh, an hour or so ago. Uh, a Jewish guy was driving up there, they... The Stones, he lost control, he hit an arrow, and they tried to lynch him, and the police stalked him. Uh, as a result of which, uh, there were all these what's ups going on well, that other schools are gonna do the flag dance and not come into the robot. You understand logically that for us to do the flag dance and not come into the robot would be self-defeating because we live in the robot. So so I don't understand why we would do that, okay? Um, and You know that I'm going to be here all afternoon and and no arrow is going to come near me. (laughs) So, uh, obviously, you have the right if you want to stay in the roller to stay in the roller this afternoon. Just let me know, I'll be here. That's enough of a deterrent for you to do that, right? So, uh, I'll be here. And if you have any questions, my phone will be on. Um, And uh, again, if your parents tell you they want you to stay in the roller, then you have to stay in the roller. They'll probably write to me as well if they do. Uh, but uh, that, that's all it is at the moment. Maybe I want to watch the footage. It's not such nice footage, but I it. said it's not really in our area. Our area, as you know from being in the wrong is pretty peaceful, Baruch Hashem, and quiet. And soon will be mobbed by thousands of Jews. So okay. Thank you.
0: <coughs> Moshe turns. Okay. Okay. Let's continue. Moshe turns to B'nei and says, Ki'im elu makom, asher yivchar Hashem lokeichem b'chol shifteichem, l'asume sh'mosham. You know where you have to go, he says? To the place that God will choose. From all the different tribal territories, to place His name there. L'shichno, t'joshu, uvat ha He's going to decide to stay there. You seek Him there. V'ayamakom, asher yivchar Hashem lokeichem, bo l'shiken sh'mosham. And there'll be a place that God will choose to place His name there. Shama tabiru there you have to bring Ed Cole. any you of know, those gifts that I told you you have to bring her this is the place it's the place that God is going to choose skip down Malachim Aleph Aleph I'm skipping Yod this is when uh, the kingdom is being ripped apart because Shlomo has messed up He's brought. He's married too many wives, which has called, caused him to bring Avodah Dazarah into the Beit HaMikash. And now we're going Malchut Yehuda and Malchut Yisrael, Rechavav and Yeravav. But Shlomo will get to keep one tribe, Yehuda. Leman Avdi David, says God, because of my servant, David. Uleman Yerushalayim, and because of Yerushalayim, God validates and stamps what Moshe was talking about. That when David chose Yerushalayim, that was God's choice. That's what Moshe was saying. When God ultimately chooses, he did. And it was Yerushalayim. In the Torah, The way to understand Yerushalayim, that it represents the unofficial name of Yerushalayim. We have to demarcate it as the place God chose before and continues and will ever choose. Bakom Asher Yifchar Hashem. That's like, that's a little subtitle under Yerushalayim. Not, oh, great place to live. It's a place that God chose to be. Tiny Lee. So this is the end of Monday Shir Shoyon. It's always amazing when your line falls out on a Monday. Because the Shir Shoyon for Monday is the Yudush Line Anthem. So it always fits very nicely. When it's Wednesday, it's really frustrating. When it's Monday, it's like, this is meant. David wrote this psalm for Yerushalayim and it's Yom Yerushalayim. So would Tzion the last three lines of the, of the Um Encircle Tzion and surround Sifru daleha count its towers. Shitu libchem lechela, pay very close attention to its chelah. Chelah was that distance between the Beit Amigdash of the Azara and the Kordashe Kordashim. Okay, so it's a, a locale on Har HaBayit. Pasku <inaudible> Armenoteha, refurbish, edify its uh, castles. Laman Tesapru Ledor <inaudible> Acharon. In order that you tell about to the last generation, Kize Elohim Elokeno Olambaed. This is the God eternally, forever. There are four sets of verbs that David commands us to do for Yerushalayim. Encircle and surround one, count, pay close attention to, and build up and edify. There are four locales that David says we have to do this to. Section on horabite and its palaces. Okay. Right? It she do, it do it, pay attention. See anything interesting about these places? Sion, what is Tsion? The difference between Zion and Yerushalayim. Right, so Zionism. What's the what's the meaning of Zion? When is Yerushalayim called Yushalayim? I and mean, when is it called Zion? In Tehillim, in this parak, they draw both. Yeah. In Tehillim, it's
1: called. It's
0: not called Zion. No. First of all, Yerushalayim is Shalem. It's not in Hamash. And Zion's not there. What is a tsiyun in Hebrew? A great, or a mark. Letzayim means to demarcate. Sion is the Yushalayim that is demarcated with God's presence. Yushalayim is your capital city. Sion is God's city. Sion is always the elevated spiritual character of Yushalayim. And Yushalayim is just what he got from the Yevusi. That piece on Haravite, obviously, these two are paired as location of spiritual, of godly. Mikdaleha and Armanoteha, those are edifices, structures. When you encircle something and surround it, what are you showing it? Like the sheaves for Yosef's sheaf, when you go and dance around the walls of Yushalayim. What are you demonstrating?
1: Like it's yours.
0: In honor, respect, respect. you're showing up, saying, look. Shitu libchem, what kind of action is that? Paying attention, marking, what kind of action? Passive. But more importantly, no, it's active, but it's internal, it's mental. Sifru and pasku, counting and building up again, what kind of actions? Active. Active physical. David says there are two equal things you have to do concurrently for you, I? You have to mentally, thoughtfully mark its elevated, more spiritual character at the same time and equally physically demarcate its physical structures. How come? what does this formula allow what does it ensure why is David instructing his generation to do this when you say z in the bible what are you doing pointing at something specific that you can say there it is you know when you're going into your and you take a picture right in the beginning,
1: right?
0: Everybody's all, all energy and everybody's just getting off the buses. And then you take a picture every step you take up the trail. And then you get to the top and everybody takes a picture again.
1: <laughs>
0: How come you don't take pictures every step in between? Why do you only take the beginning and the end? Why is that good enough? The whole deal was awesome. So what do you do with those two pictures? Well, you can put it together. Yeah. And then you can remember and inspire everything that happened in between. David says there are two things that his generation have to do with you, I? Mark its physicality. Look at its buildings, look at its towers, look at its palaces. But understand within those physical edifices is the presence of God, and you got to mark that too, simultaneously. Because you know what happens when you do that? As shalim changes, what happens? What can you still do? You can still have them both and say, that tower is not the same tower, but I saw God in that wall, and even though that wall might change what it looks like, it is a totally different layout. There is still godliness. You know what David needed to ensure in his generation? His generation where he first set up that makom, Asher Yivchar. David's take of Yerushalayim was an eternal reflection of Hashem. And he set up a formula to ensure that never would it be forgotten, no matter how many kings, no matter how many leaders, no matter how many transitions... You tie the physical to the spiritual and the spiritual to the physical there is an unending truth and he had to make sure his Yushlaim that represented that would be that unending truth, that eternal reflection Zachariah he was that bridge most of the people were still in Babel during the Galut Cyrus and Darius had called people back and they had started start building the Beit Dash. Ko amar Hashem tzvaot, says Zechariah in his prophecy. Yushalayim. Trust me on this one. At some point, the old people will be able to stay their entire lives. They will get old, and they will be able to be sitting in the Rehovot Yishalayim. Ve'ishmish Antov and he'll live to such an old age where he'll be sitting on his cane, enjoying Yerushalayim. Trust me on this one. And the roads of this city of Yerushalayim will be filled with girls and boys, Hakim, the Hotel, playing in its streets. There was a Shabbat when my eldest was nine and a half, three years ago or so. And we were walking in the streets in Yushalayim, our neighborhood. And he said, Daddy, I'm really bothered. I said, bothered, but he probably did. He (laughs) says, isn't it a little disrespectful for Yushalayim Ir HaKodesh? She has been learning very well.
1: Shalayim Ir
0: HaKodesh to have parks where kids run around and scream and they put garbage and there's bomba everywhere. Shouldn't Ir HaKodesh Yushalayim? be somewhere where it's serious. And it's like, you know, that us. And I turned to her and I said, Adiel, let me quote you something from Zechariah. I said, far from being a diminishing of Yerushalayim, you're looking at a promise fulfilled. It's because these kids are playing in these parks that makes Yerushalayim what it is. It's not a detraction. It's a fulfillment of Zechariah's Zechariah understood that his Yushalayim was going to represent everybody's going to live in Yushalayim and know that God has come through that God promised we would come back and we have according to Zechariah that's what Yushalayim meant Bracha in Shonez B'Rushalayim ircha Barachamim Tashuv Ezra Nechamia say, God, please, come back to Yerushalayim in your mercy and settle here. And live here like you promised. You know, back in the Torah. And build it up again for an eternal building of truth. And set up David's monarchy once again. You know what Ezra and Nehemiah were fighting with? There had been a call. There had been a call many, many years before and nobody, not enough people moved. And Ezra and Nehemiah are saying, God, it's not working. You have to come back. People are coming back straggling because, ooh, we get to come back from Galut. We get our national homeland again. Nobody's understanding that you belong here, that you are here, that they have to come back for you. So God, you have to come back. we got to make it a spiritual place. We have to see it as a God-present city. Everybody has to get that, and nobody's understanding it. In their generation, they understood Yushalayim as the place where God most resides. And they're grappling with the fact that most of the nation did not see it. So they made a bracha to ensure people were getting it. Talmud Psachim. Amorabi Dostai Birabi You know which Amarai they're from? Dostai Yanai. They sound like. Right, fair enough, mm-hmm. because they don't sound like Babylonian. That's the point. They're the Israeli. They're the Talmud Yoshami. Okay, they are Amoraim from Eretz Israel. Eretz Israel. Okay. Mipnei ma chamei So these amorei Eretz Israel said, "How come we don't have the heated pools of tveria in Yushalay?" Yerushalayim is supposed to be so great, it's supposed to be so amazing. How come we don't have natural spas like they do in Tiberia? Why do they get all the 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 brochures? <speaking in Hebrew> so that the people coming from all or other places of Eretz Yisrael to Yerushalayim as an ole regal don't say the following. <speaking in Hebrew> We had only come to Yushalayim just for the pools. That would have been a worthwhile trip. Then they say Aliyah And then their Aliyah to Shalain would have been for the wrong reasons. You don't make your Shulayim a spa because that's not its attraction. Its attraction is Yushalayim. It's the Makam Asheri Khan. It's a place where God asks you to visit him. That's why you come to Yushalayim. And the crazy thing is, what I'm pointing out is, who's saying this? Amorei Eretz Yisrael. They're in Hebron. They're in the Galilee. They're in Beersheba. They live in Eretz Yisrael. And yet, what are they saying? Yushalayim is better than all those places, despite not having hot springs and great places to eat. I know. And so on. So from the generation... Of the in Eretz Yisrael, they say Yerushalayim. Is... is that right? In the right direction? Yerushalayim is better than Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. Some question in their minds. Chamei Tzvuriyah. Sure, there are other places that are nice to visit. There's only one place you should, and they live in Eretz Yisrael. And lastly the Babylonians Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Rab Omdim Sufim You know what Yishonim is? It's a place where you stand and you're very crowded and sakuf but when you want to bow down in the Beit of or to God Ravachid there's always space to bow and there's a bit a snake bite, nor a scorpion sting, Yerushalayim, ever. Oh, it's so uncomfortable to stay in Yerushalayim. No one's ever said that. And the streets are paved with gold, and everybody respects everybody else. So yearning to come to Yushalayim to be the Ole Regal that they couldn't be stuck in La They made shine impossibly good. Of course, there's been snake bites. Of course, there's been scorpions. Of course, it's Safu. But they couldn't see shine as anything but impossibly. Paradigm of of miraculousness. So on Yom Yerushalayim, the question is Can you mark Yerushalayim as the torrented, as Makom Asher as the eternal choice? Can you mark it as David did and appreciate that it is a forever reflection of godliness? No matter how much it changes, it's always going to be God's city, as David tried to ensure. Can you, can you mark it? Can you watch the grandparents taking their grandchildren to parks on Shabbat afternoons and see just as Zachariah did? that that's what Yushalayim was supposed to be, and it is. Can you heed Ezra and Nehemiah's desires and his warning to the nation of their generation to understand that this isn't merely a capital city, a place where Jews can live freely. It's a place of God's promise. It's a place where God dwells. It has, and it always is. Can you appreciate, on your Yerushalayim
1: as good as the rest of the country is, as good as the gush
0: is, better. <laughs> <shall I> <laughs> can you appreciate the people who could never make it here? To build it up to such a point where you can look around and say, this is crazy. Can you appreciate all or one or some of how the others in our history throughout our generations have? Lam Natsahach is a brilliant answer to that question because with a victory that gave us a free opportunity to do this, and the fact that God enabled that opportunity, then the privilege is right in front of us. People a hundred over 50 years ago said we're gonna free Yerushalayim and give you the opportunity to appreciate this city as all of the people in our history did. That's Lam the war that created this opportunity, the battle that was divinely inspired and directed, that gave us the brilliant, brilliant privilege to mark what some of these people throughout history couldn't even get. But the thing is, that's not the real question on Yom Yerushalayim. And this is actually why I think we don't say Lam because the real question isn't, can you appreciate these things on this day? The question truly is, is will you? Will you take advantage of this opportunity? The problem with Lam and I believe why we don't say it, is Lam Naseah only goes so far. Lam undoubtedly revels in the victory of a battle that gave us Yushalayim. But you know how you celebrate Yushalayim properly? You don't just revel in the opportunity, you then take advantage of it. You have to live Yushalayim. You have to be part of Yushalayim. Lam Tzev doesn't go far enough. So we excise it so we know how far we're supposed to go. There's an amazing book my wife edited of there was this uh, journalist for the Palestinian Post, the precursor to Jerusalem Post. Okay? And he was a journalist who joined the Palmach during the siege of and the ultimate liberation of Yerushalayim. And he wrote letters home to his family and his son found all of these letters, had them all translated and then went to my wife and said, you've got to do something with this. And they created a book together. Okay, Palestinian Post's uh, letters of the birth of an Israel, or something like that, that shirt off. Right From one of the letters, okay? From within the siege, he was writing this letter. There will be days, he writes, when clean air and sunny skies, followed by a cool night breeze and a bright moon, will not mean a sniper's heaven, but a youth's paradise. There'll be many such days and we here will appreciate them properly, having fought for them and earned them. It's not merely getting those days, it's then living within those days. When my kids were younger, I bought them one of these like garden pools, you know, with the poles and the thing, and you just fill it up and it has a little filter there. So when they were smaller, they fit. They got a little bigger and there's a big splash. So at some point I needed to sell it. So Yachinana, this was an Israeli thing, where, you know, secondhand things. So I took my pictures, I lined it all up. So finally somebody answered and we decided to meet. It was in my mother's garden. So we went there. To, so this guy comes in, this tall, dark Israeli guy, big kippah little beard like this. And he's got this kid strapped on one of those backpacks? You know when the legs are dangling like this? Yeah. He's like a one and a half year old and he puts the kid down and and we're talking and so on and whatever smiling the entire time and at some point he asked me, because my brilliant accent out of this, he asked me, when did you make Aliyah? And I said, oh 2006 he goes, oh, the second Lebanon war I said, yeah, he says, oh I fought in that and then he shows me a text that he gets every year from one of his friends that he was in the army with of, to, remem- to remind him of the day when an onslaught of rockets fell suddenly upon his entire platoon, where many died, but many miraculously alive. And he says, he reminds me every year about this. Okay? I'm sitting there this little puny American or whatever. was old When I made Alias, so nobody wanted me. I was like, oh, that's real. I'm like, oh, thank you, whatever. And then he, start, he decides to buy it, so he packs it up. Puts his kid back on, and he's, he's got the poles and the tarp and the equipment, and he's like, and he's going, to, he told me to take a bus to then get to a train to then get home. And I, you know, being the wimpy white American, I said, well, like, do you, how are you going to do it? He says, like this. This is what he said, in Hebrew. He says, man, nah, we used to haul more than 45 kilo on our backs during the army. Those were the days, he said, big smile on his face. <laughs> I lost a lot of friends in the army. I visit them every Rosh Chodesh on a hard heart song. But then he continued, but he said, no complaints. We have a country and that's what it's all about. And anytime time we're asked to fight for it, I do it again. So this was a guy who said, I'm going to keep living. I created this country and I'm going to live within it. I'm going to buy a pool for my kids on the very ground that I fought for. It wasn't merely the victory. It wasn't merely appreciation. It's living within that appreciation. There was, I think it was two years ago, after Shaul and David, so Sunday night at 7 o'clock, okay? I put on my backpack, and I'm walking out of Shardzion, as I always do, and I come around the corner, I know Shardzion, and I go to the right the snake path and so on, so I go, and literally, I did that in front of me. You remember, it's all this darkening, and so in front of me are two lines of soldiers all decked out, big guns and the green and everything. Every so often there's big Israeli flags and the flags of the units and so on, all the way down. And I'm like, I don't know, just like, am I supposed to this is sacred? I don't know. So I start walking and I'm looking down and sometimes I have to weave in between them. I feel, I want to like, shake like every single one of their hands and say thank you and thank you, but I know it's a little uncomfortable probably. Like, there's a lot of people. Down, down. I keep walking, and they're still going. I keep walking, and it's all quiet. It's like haunting and, and amazing at the same time. Like I'm waiting, to like, like Buckingham Palace. I want to tickle one of them or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman coming up the stairs. You know those stairs that go down to almost the snake path? So with a stroller, and of course some of them break ranks to help her up. And I'm like, oh, all right, so I walk down, and I walk the snake path, and they're still halfway down the snake path. They started all the way at Char Tzion. They are lined up in this, this, this gauntlet of Tzahal. And I was like, what's going on? And it turns out they're waiting for the signal. that then they get the call. And they don't just walk in. They run in, screaming down to the hotel for the Tekes And I was like, not only do they have the opportunity to defend their country, they're about to take an oath to do it. It's not merely about having the opportunity. They're living that opportunity. Every Yom line, almost every Yom line, I try to walk here. Okay, I live in Yom And it's like a 35 minute walk. And I walk down to right I know that from the Bible. Walking down there. Erech And I'm looking around at the different sites, things that are new, things that are old. I'm going over my shir, I'm learning Torah in Yushalayim. I go up the snake path, where the Ole did that, probably with goats and donkeys and so on, not me, but I'm going up. And then I watch the walls of the old city on my left, and I just go in to Shardzion. And you and I both know you couldn't always just go into Shardzion. The bullet holes in the wall there testify to the fact that it wasn't always so easy, but I just walked in. I come around, Rehob Chabad, I look at the Roman Cardo, (coughs) I come in here and we learn Torah. And what hits me every year is not that I could do that, that's Lam It's that I did. I took advantage of the opportunity for what they gave me. I always wondered, like coming from Chuzaret, we had parades and and all. Why Israelis just like have barbecues? It's like a day off, don't you know? You just go to the beach and you watch the It's like, ah! don't you wanna like uh, make big signs, don't you wanna? And you know what the answer is? Because they are celebrating Eretz Israel by living here. The barbecues is because they couldn't always barbecue. The greatest celebration Of a freedom of your land is to live in that land, undoubtedly. Fifty. I don't know if someone said it yet to you, but I remember hearing so. The best Yom Yerushalayim ever is the Yom Yerushalayim in Sam. It's like where it all comes together. (laughs) But you know the crazy thing is. That's long Do You know what you've done. Fifty-four years ago, people said we're going to give you a Yerushalayim to live in, and all of you said yes, please, thank you very much. Your celebration of the Yerushalayim isn't today. It's every day you chose to live here. Every day you took advantage of what they gave you. It's not merely an appreciation, it's the appreciation. Mark what you've done. Understand what the true Yerushalayim is. It's not, look what we have, it's look what we do now. You have had one of the greatest zones. I mean, it's crazy for me. When I order packages from like chutzards, I put in whatever address, Jerusalem. Literally, my address is Jerusalem. You know that place that God chose to make His address. I love Yom Yerushalayim more than I know, crazy <laughs> Yom Kippur. And perhaps I know more than Yom vote. because one, it's Yerushalayim, and two, and it's my every day. It's what I get to do. It is not a day I choose. It's every day that I choose. We lived in Modin for six months. My wife and I said, we're coming back. But oh, why? It's not Yerushalayim. It's where we needed to belong. What you've done this year, it's Yerushalayim. Don't forget that when you said yes to that application, you weren't merely saying yes to our love. You were saying yes to your entire history, to your
1: entire national tradition.